outlined against a blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen rode again. In dramatic lore, they are known as famine, pestilence, destruction, and death. These are only aliases. Their real names are P-Wagon, Dylan, Campy, and to be named later. They form the crest of the South Bend podcast, before which another listener was swept over the precipice at the polo grounds yesterday afternoon as 55,000 listeners peered over their phones on their commutes to work down on the bewildering panorama spread on the green plain below. A cyclone can't be snared. It may be surrounded, but somewhere it breaks through to keep on going. When the podcast starts from South Bend or the East Coast, Canada, and Arizona, where the candlelight still gleam through the Indiana sycamores, those in the way must take to the storm cellars at top speed. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. Welcome to the Four Horsemen Pod. I'm your host, P-Wagon, Nick, whatever you want to call me. Uh, we got my friend from the north here, Dylan, and the commenter to be named later he'll decide what we call him today by way of chicago and arizona and then we also have steve coming up later on this podcast we are some of the biggest tortured souls here uh, for notre dame and we are just here to share our experiences this year and see where we go we are the four horsemen uh apocalyptic really um, all of us have our own gripes about notre dame and we all come together to really form you know, a fearsome running back tandem in the backfield. Uh, so to get us started, I'll introduce myself. Again, Nick uh, from the Northeast, New York originally, Irish Catholic, Italian-American, a little bit of both. I uh, got into Notre Dame really as young as I can remember, 93, 94. Uh, that's before you, Dylan. <laughs> and um, I, Jerome Bettis was my first um, memory of Notre Dame, him running the ball. And then 2004 was my first game. Brady Quinn, Tyrone Willingham. Uh, it was at Giant Stadium, uh, MetLife now. They uh, they played Navy. So it was a really cool game to watch. I actually came out of a football game going right there. Uh, my team lost. Notre Dame won. It was a great time. And uh, since then, I've just I've dove into Notre Dame headfirst. It's the only team I like. People think I'm weird that I don't like professional sports. It's Notre Dame, football, lacrosse, basketball, sometimes baseball, fencing. We won in this year too. So I'm just really an all-around Notre Dame fan and really just happy to be here. I'm, I'm just cautiously optimistic as always. But I'm uh, going to Dylan here. Dylan, tell us about your fandom and how you're only 20 years old talking to a bunch of 25-plus men here about Notre Dame. Right. I think it started with the, the college football playoff last year and my insane mathematics to get a two-loss team in. Yes, yes. How we met. Um, my Notre Dame fandom started, um, I think 07 was the first year I started watching. Uh, it was Jimmy Clausen's first year. Um, my uncle, you know, both of them, that's why, you know, any sports team I like is because of them. <laughs> um, they got me hooked on the Irish, kind of like you, Irish Catholic family. NBC, we get that in Canada. So really easy to watch. Surprising. Yeah, we do have technology. Dylan is my only Canadian friend. And he was talking, I think it was either Barstool Irish or Barstool Chief, uh, about Notre Dame getting into the playoff after two losses. And he did this Rain Man type equation, Joe. I'm, I think this was when you were taking your uh, your Joe now, apparently. Uh, your, your hiatus from Twitter, and Dylan went off on this Rain Man type. Notre Dame can do this, that, and another thing. You look like Alan from The Hangover when he was figuring out the numbers. And he figured out every equation that Notre Dame could have got in. And now we're here. It's just absolutely outrageous, the math that Dylan could do. He is our college football playoff genius on this podcast. Yeah, it's funny because I'm not really good at math either. But, you know, when it comes to football, I'll, I'll pull through. And Joe, uh, tell us about yourself, how you got here, why you're a tortured Irish fan. All right, well, I was going to do it. You kind of already did it for me. I was going to do a name reveal, and then the way I'm going to get us listens is I'm going to tweet out the link once it's ready and say, here's my name for all the people that want to know because I've built somehow a decent following. Just the first name, though. 
Yeah, we're, we're not, no, no governments here. We only use first names. Yeah, just the first name, but people would still want to know that. So I'm going to try and get us some listens that way. So, but you are anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm from Chicago. My dad has two cousins who both went to Notre Dame. One was actually an All-American baseball player there in the late 70s. And then the other, um, they both just went there late 70s and then ended up going to law school there too. My dad didn't go there. My grandpa went there for one semester and then got drafted World War II. Um, and if you're just from Chicago too, it's like really common to be a Notre Dame fan. Like you have some sort of connection somehow. So that was my main connection. My dad, he, it's hard to remember. He passed when I was 11. So I can't remember. He was, he was kind of a fan, but not really. He was like into it. Like it was like a cultural thing. Like Chicago people kind of like Notre Dame, whatever. He took me to my first game. It was either it's I can't remember. It was either two thousand one or two thousand two because he passed in two thousand three, and they played Pittsburgh. They played Pittsburgh both those years, so I couldn't figure it out. But that would have been like that was right before Tyrone Willingham. That was when they still had uh, what's his name Bob Davy. Bob Davy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> at uh, New Mexico now or New Mexico State? I can't. Remember. I think it's like the AD over there or something. It's, it's something ridiculous. The yeah, no, I think he might be the head coach. I don't know. Maybe he's like the AD too, but. They played yeah. next week, but that's just because I'm going to probably gamble on that game. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, and uh, that, who did they have? So that was when they had, like, Carlisle Holiday was either a freshman or a sophomore. Matt Lovecchio. Yeah, like Arnaz Battle. Like, and they were pretty good. I think one of those years they went, like, 9-3, and three, and the other year, I don't know. They were, they were pretty decent. Like, they were kind of similar to maybe a couple of the teams of the past, like, few years we've had that have gone, like, Nine and three, ten and two, like had some talent, but couldn't put it together. So he took me to my first game, absolutely hooked after that. Just like massive fan, never miss games. High school, high school was the worst because we're about the same age. So you remember that's like just getting relentlessly teased every single day by guys in the football team because of how bad so Notre Dame was at that time. Like I think my freshman year, one of those years, you know, 2006, you remember they went like three and nine, and it was just mm-hmm. terrible. I just, I just heard it. Freshman in high school. Yeah, that was yeah. freshman year of high school. Uh, it was terrible. And but I was hooked. I, I never miss a game. I'm kind of like you. I don't have an NFL team. I'm not a Bears fan. Uh, I like the NFL, and I watch the NFL. And football is probably my favorite sport, but I don't have a team. So it's it's all about Notre Dame. Yeah, and kind of just going off of that, because I'm definitely getting tweets of, you don't watch NFL, you hate football in America. I don't. I really – I was a football coach for four years. I have no desire to watch football on Sunday just based off of me doing football Monday through Saturday for four years. Sunday is Mrs. Wagon's time. We get to choose what we want to do. She's a Jets fan, unfortunately, with that fat-faced asshole at quarterback there. I try not to watch games with Sam Darnold on the screen. Um, I hate him more than I hate most things in life. But, um, yeah, so that's just – people will think I'm a little weird for not liking football on Sunday, but I'm, like, 15 minutes away from Pottsboro. And I – it just – it inconveniences my trips to Trader Joe's on Sunday. So that, that's where I'm at in my life. But, uh, you know, moving forward, I, Steve and I talked about this before or after, however we're going to splice up this podcast. Um about 2018. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I would love to hear from you two what your thoughts are. I'm saying, you know, 10 and 2 is the lowest that we can go uh, and still make the playoff. Feeling real good about that, looking at the schedule with the powerhouses like Ball State and Northwestern on there. But uh, let's go with Dylan. What do you think about uh, 2018? What are your thoughts? 14 and 0, baby, every year. You know, that's, that's the life of a Notre Dame fan. Um, I think it's a tough schedule. Um, there's, I, I look at, I look at some games, even, you know, Florida state's a game that we've been kind of overlooking because of how bad they were last year, but that's going to be a tough game, right? They they recruit well down there. Um, Virginia tech on the road, right? That's been the very hipster pick lately for the game we'll lose. Um, it's going to start with Michigan, obviously. So if you lose that game, yikes. Um, but I think, um, I think overall you, you pretty much hit it on the nose. There are 10 wins. Um, it's pretty much the base getting into a, hopefully a big bowl. Um, but I, I think the playoff is realistic this year. Um, we should be favored, I think, in most games, if not all games this year. Um, yeah, and you just got to survive November. 
Now, with uh, when you're looking at that, you know, Florida State, you bring up a good point. Willie Taggart uh, coming over to Florida State is worrisome. He is a good coach. He wouldn't be in college if he wasn't a good coach, but um, it's still Florida State is one of those games where we should have won a couple of years ago. Uh, that penalty wasn't a penalty, and just really, you have you have a couple of bad breaks there, and we're, we're here where we're talking about being the outside looking in, and I'm glad you weren't around for that math because <laughs> that was a rough one. Uh, and, again, Virginia Tech, I was reading about it today. Kelly's been doing all this, this stuff with the weight room and – the first snap of uh, spring practice was with a soccer ball. Like, right. it, it's very just different. He's doing his, this whole chaos bullshit, and hopefully it'll work out. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there. In about my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen uh, a Notre Dame-USC game in L.A. that mattered for both teams. I really hope that changes this year uh, because every year is usually one team is out of it. Big time. Sure. Hopefully they're out of it by week three because JT Daniels is a terrible human being. He is my new Sam Darnold, and I'm all aboard. I hope he has a Twitter. Find me, JT. Joey, what do you think? Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year, I think. And they have like what 15 starters back from a team that finished 10 and three. I was just kind of thinking about this today. Like, I think it probably is the best te- overall team they've had since since 2012, since they went to the national championship. And, like, it kind of reminds me of that team, except I think I think that defense was a little better in 2012 um, than this defense. And then I think that offense back in 2012 isn't as good as the one we have now. So I was thinking about that today, how it almost kind of evens out. So this offense is better than that one. That defense was a little better back then. And so it just kind of reminds me of that team uh, in that aspect. And schedule-wise, it is a tough schedule, but I think the game that most worries me is Virginia Tech on the road. They were they lost they lost a couple guys, like a defensive back that uh, some sort of got in trouble, kicked off the team or something, I think, and then maybe even another guy to an injury or something. So they've their hype uh, isn't as big now as it was a couple months ago. But Virginia Tech on the road is like that's one of the toughest places to play in college football. That's gonna be an eight PM game too. They released it, so it'll be on ABC. It'll be eight PM, and it's just gonna be a, a healthy. Yeah, Black, Blacksburg's probably like yeah, top five toughest place to play in college football, and that team is pretty good, even if they're not quite as good as people thought they were gonna be a few months ago. So I'm always very optimistic. Like like Dylan was saying, every year since I've been a massive fan I always just assume they're going to win every single game they play because I, I don't think about it any other way but if I had to give try and get my most realistic answer I, I would say they can go 11 and 1 and I think the game they lose is probably Virginia Tech after that 11 and 1 gets them into the playoffs obviously after that it's it's kind of hard uh to predict how they'll do because they'd have to play you know probably Alabama Georgia Clemson Wisconsin oh we're throwing we're throwing Wisconsin in there now yeah, well, yeah, I think Wisconsin has a, has a Midwest pick to make over there. Keeping me up till 11 o'clock at night and making a Midwest pick on this podcast. I'm lucky if I don't kick you off right now. Wisconsin's one of the best teams in the country. I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, I don't think that they'll make the playoff with Alex Hornibrook at quarterback. He's he's okay at best, but we, that's that's for another time here. Our focus is on Michigan. And uh, it is Michigan Hate Week. It is officially Sunday when we're recording this. Uh, just a friendly reminder for everyone out there, the binomial name for Wolverine is Gullo Gullo. Uh, Gullo means bloodness in Latin. Bloodney is one of the seven deadly sins. Uh, don't be a sinner. Support the Irish. So what are, what are our thoughts on the Michigan game? I'll let you two open the floor. Uh, you know, I don't think Jim Harbaugh has won a meaningful game in his coaching history. He's won all the games he should have won, but he's never won an important one. So I'll let you two have it. Michigan. Right, it. Yes. I'm thinking it's going to be another blowout, but uh, what are we thinking? I know the receiver's out now. There's some news about that. I didn't read too much. Yeah, one of their best receivers is out for the year. But their strength is their defense anyway. So Um, I think – 
it's two really good defenses. I think our offense is a little better. Um, they do struggle. Everyone keeps saying they, their defense does struggle with mobile quarterbacks. So they struggled with uh, McSorley last year from Penn State. So that kind of works in our favor. Um, but I just see two good defenses. I see a slugfest. I see it really, really, really close, like down to the final series. I think if I have to give like a specific prediction, I think Notre Dame probably wins like 17-14. I think maybe like Yoon kicks a field goal as it's, you know, uh, in the final minute or so. Um, it's going to be close. I don't see a blowout either way. I don't see I don't see either team winning by more than seven. Um, I was I was pretty like optimistic like a month ago, but the more and more I kind of like read up and hear about their defense, uh, Michigan's defense, it it is a lot better than I had originally thought. So we'll see. I think it's going to come down to which team is the better offense on the night. Both teams have strong defenses. And what people are forgetting with this, with Shea Patterson, right, is he's been injured since mid-October. This is going to be his first game back in South Bend under the lights. I, I don't like that for Michigan. Uh, people are really, I think, overhyping that. They, they think Patterson's the savior. Look at his numbers against uh, good teams on the, with that play defense, right? Alabama, LSU, Auburn, garbage. Uh, learning to talk defense, right? Those corners are finally good for the maybe the first time in my lifetime, like a decent secondary. Uh, the front four is good. The linebackers are great. Um, and it's a tough place to play. You know, we have a good record there. We have a good record at night there. Um, yeah, and I think in the, the day, it's which offense is going to get to 21st. And I'm, I think that's going to be us. Um, I think if you can keep them off balance, the big thing is if Winbush can make those throws, right? We know mobile quarterbacks can hurt Michigan. Uh, we know Michigan's secondary could be a little bit vulnerable if there's a weakness there. Um, so you're going to have to beat them in the air at some point. If you can move the ball, uh, play your defense, you know, get the crowd involved. I, I think Notre Dame wins. Um, I would like for it to be by 40, but I'll take a win by anything. You know, I, I completely agree with both those statements there. When you really, when it comes down to it, Shea Patterson may be the new savior of Michigan, but he, again, he broke his leg or something happened there, and he hasn't played a meaningful down of football in God knows how long. Uh, so really, you're, look, you're coming into that, and the Irish are going to be wearing green uh, allegedly that night, and we all know what happens when they wear green at home. Uh, hopefully no Reggie Bush 2005 Bush push uh, incidents will happen again, but when the Irish come out of the tunnel, hopefully wearing that green and yellow throwback that they had uh, alluded to uh, previously, it's going to be a different environment there. It's a night game. Uh, everyone's been thinking about it all week. I've been thinking about it all summer. I know students are back in, uh, in session there, so they're getting ready. I got some inside reports there that uh, the athletes are dialed in, completely laser-focused. Uh, we might even have um, one nice little inside source there who can tell me things that are going on in and out of the, uh, the training table, but we won't reveal those too, uh, too publicly yet. And uh, that's where I'm at. I'm feeling real uh, optimistic about this game. Again, we hate Michigan. I'll think about it all week. I've made a bet uh, with my buddy at work. He's a Michigan fan. Loser has to wear the winner's jersey the next casual Friday. And we'll be in my big office uh, with about 100 people there. So I'm not trying to wear the maize and blue there. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at there. Uh, but really, you know, like Dylan said, the secondary, we got Gilman now off his uh, one-year mandatory NCAA uh, suspension. And not really a suspension, just had to sit out because they left the Naval Academy. And he's good. He's going to be one of those players who we really feel comfortable using uh, in multiple situations. You know, Tranquil, Coney, Tillery. The defense is looking pretty stacked. I'm really excited about them. Uh, and I know that you and uh, Joe and Dylan both have some players that they're really looking forward to watching. Uh, probably dove into a little bit more detail about them than I have. Uh, so, Dylan, who are you most excited to watch now? Well, it has to be Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, right? Canadian boy. I got to rep my, my fellow, uh, you know, Canadian fellow up here. We don't get many of them in college football. So, 
I, I mean, he I didn't know he was Canadian, and I'm probably a bad fan for that. I had um, yeah, you didn't know he's Canadian, yeah. No, I, I did not know he's Canadian, and this is breaking news to me. Um, I probably should have learned this before. Usually during the games, I'm so involved in just watching the game, I don't listen to when people talk about him. Uh, so, Dylan, you just broke news to, to someone who proclaims to know everything about Notre Dame. Well, there you go. That's wild. Yeah, so, no, I I believe he's from British Columbia, and uh, you know he's tall. He's he's physical. Uh, he's got good speed. I mean, he made some great catches last year. Um, I think uh, is it Irish Barstool calls them uh, Canadian bacon, right? He's got a nickname already. So uh, I like to look for him because our receivers need to step up, right? EQ's gone. Um, we don't really have much there for proven talent. So I'm going to uh, keep a close eye on Claypool, um, and hopefully he can break out, right? Because we kind of have a good tradition lately of of top receivers coming out of Notre Dame. So uh, I hope he's the next one. Awesome. And again, you know, Oh, Canada, that I'll be wearing my uh, Irish shamrock and a maple leaf, I guess, if he starts doing well. And uh, Joe, who do you got? Uh, it's hard to pick just one. Um, I, well, I will say this because everyone talks a lot about Julian Love, which is probably deserved because he's really good one of the best corners in the country, but uh, our other starting corner, uh, Troy Fry Jr., I like him. He's going to be very strong this year, I think, and he's he's coming into his junior year. In his first two years he played, uh, but it was kind of on and off. He would start a few games here or there if uh, the other corners in there were struggling, and then um, last year he got a little more playing time, but the team and the coaches seem pretty high on him. He's also a track star. He's very fast. He's got decent size, about like six feet, maybe six feet and a half. I just think everyone's going to be so focused on uh, Julian Love that I think they're going to kind of forget about him, and I think we're going to have two very good corners this year, actually. So, uh, uh, sorry for the radio silence. I'm letting you go off on your tangent about the secondary. While I love the secondary, too, I just had to break up my cats from fighting on top of the refrigerator. So, uh, that, that's going to be a recurring theme throughout these podcasts is my cats. Uh, I have two of them, and they uh, they like to fight each other, um, much like the uh, the secondary is going to cause havoc against this Michigan receiving core, and really anyone all season. I was looking into some of the uh, the details there, and the, the teams that were playing this year, they have a passing game, but looking at what Notre Dame has done with the new individuals who are back, there it's really just no contest here. Notre Dame has a much more experienced core, and I think they're just going to be much better than who we see. You know, we had LSU at the end of the year last year, uh, cautiously optimistic from them growing off of that game, responding to some adversity there. And, uh, yeah, I really think, uh, you know, Troy Pride is going to be a stable for someone to watch. And I know you're a big fan of Tavon Coney, but he's someone that everyone should know. Um, some uh, freshmen coming up, there are few to uh, really make an impact. Uh, I know the four-game now redshirt rule really is going to change everything for college football. Alabama can play all their freshmen against the FCS opponent that they play in week two uh, because Alabama has the best schedule in the country. And uh, really, we have the same thing. We can get uh, our Lord and Savior Phil Jerkovic out on the field uh, for four games and really get him that experience under his belt and uh, move forward from there. I really like Jafar, Jafar Armstrong. Uh, that Theo Riddick, I know everyone's been praising him for that, but it's going to be not only interesting in that fact, but you're seeing the offensive line too. Uh, getting some of the freshmen in there and some not garbage minutes, but real-life minutes, it's going to show that they can adapt to that speed. And uh, what are your two thoughts on the uh, the freshmen that we have coming up, anyone that you really think is going to make an impact? I like a bunch of them. As far as I can impact this season, I think um, – well, I think uh, that safety from Chicago, uh, Griffith, Houston Griffith, I think he has a chance to play. He's probably the, the most talented guy they had in the whole uh, recruiting class, and he – size-wise, everything, he looks like he's already ready and he could he could easily play. And our – our corners are definitely stronger than our safeties. There are still a couple of questions at safety, like with, uh, I mean, Gilman, we do think is going to be good, but Coleman, even though he's a senior, he has 
struggled at points. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Griffith get in there. Um, and then at Rover, uh, Asmar, uh, I don't know how you say his last name. Belong. Yeah. He, he's very, I think he's very athletic. He looks the part, he, but he's played kind of sparingly over his first three years. And he's, you know, this is his first year as a senior that he's really going to start. And I think he'll do well, but he is still a little inexperienced. And I think if he struggles, I know that, um, the next guy in probably a Rover is a freshman, Shane Simon, who, uh, was also one of their top recruits, a four-star guy that uh, also could be ready right away. Uh, Size-wise, same thing, kind of already prepared. And then one guy in offense, I know they really like that receiver they got uh, from, I think he's from Florida, uh, Kevin Austin. He's mm-hmm. He's gotten like a lot of praise in camp, and he's he's a pretty big receiver, like 6'3", 210 already as a freshman. I, I know they really like him. Like I've, I'm pretty sure they, I've heard from them that – uh, he's going to play in some capacity. Those are just a few guys, but there's a bunch that I think will get some time. Even if it's just on special teams, they'll, they're going to play. And uh, Dick? Uh, yeah, I, I agree a lot with Houston uh, Griffiths there, too. I think he's going to have an opportunity to make an impact because the, the secondary, like you said, uh, the safeties would probably be one of the areas. Um, also, maybe linebacker. Uh, you could see a guy like Jack Lamb or Shane Simon perhaps get some game time there. Um, kind of garbage minutes stuff. Uh, we only play usually with, with two linebackers, but, you know, injuries happen, right? So that could be a position where we kind of have to go to freshman. Uh, uh, Phil's my guy. I think he's the future of this uh, program. I think, you know, I, I'm really high on him. Um, I'd like to see him get some game time right in blowouts or, you know, maybe even a start against you know, a terrible team. Um, but, yeah, just it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't know how much we're going to see from the offense um, because we've recruited really well there. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much echoing everything. And, uh, you know, just going kind of off of that, one person that we all forgot to uh, mention is Clark Lee coming in, uh, taking over from Mike Elko. Uh, Mike Elko obviously was an awesome coach, uh, but Lee stepping right into his shoes. It's nice because we're not going to have to do that bullshit that we did um, losing Van Gorder and before that Diaco and having the the defense really just get thrown up there and just say, hey, figure it out. Here's a whole new system. Lee just going off of Elko's system and building on that. It's nice to have some consistency there. And um, even though I love Bob Diaco and he has the best hair I've ever seen on a football coach, um, besides mine, uh, it really, he's an awesome human being, but it was a shitty situation that we were thrown into, but I'm looking forward to see how Lee does as his, uh, as title increase. And then, you know, on offense, Kelly finally admitting to take a step back and be the coach rather than a play caller has proved dividends. And hopefully we don't get any of the red face Kelly, uh, memes this year because that means we're losing and don't really want that to be happening. Uh, you know, and final thoughts uh, on my end here. It looks like uh, my computer is at actually about to die uh, on my end. Uh, but really, I'm just looking forward to this season. I'm looking forward to this podcast. We'll try to record it every week. Uh, I know you two are on the West Coast, so your times are a little bit different than mine uh, and Steve's. But I'm just looking forward to seeing how the season goes and hear us descend into madness as the season progresses. Hey, Joe. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm just finally there. It felt like it took forever. This I can't remember the off season that that felt this long in a in a while, and that's probably had something to do with the optimism. Like there is, there is the high optimism every year, but this year feels a bit different. Maybe it's because it's Michigan Week One and not you know some years it was like Nevada or or whoever. Uh, it's you know in past years it hasn't been. This is one of the biggest marquee games they've had week one, I think, in a while. That at least I can remember off the top of my head. I know, you know, Georgia was week two last year. Navy in Ireland was a few years ago. That was, oh, yeah. Who can that was a fun yeah. one to watch. Um, but that I hope that never happens again. And, yeah, I, we're, I'm ready. We got almost uh, six days and – or actually we're less. We'll probably be at five days by the time this podcast comes out if I can figure out how to get it up. Okay. Yeah, I think this year is interesting because Notre Dame's not quite in the title um, lingo right now with the media, right? We're kind of in that group that's 
they'll have a 10 win season, but we're not really contenders, which is good because anytime we're tend to be overlooked, we, t you know, we, we have good season, you know, 2012 comes to mind. Um, so I think that's why it's kind of exciting too. Um, yeah. One thing I talked about earlier, I should correct myself. I had mentioned that Michigan, if there's an area on their defense to go after, it was the secondary. I should, I should clarify. I meant more of the safeties where they have two great corners there in Michigan. So in case anyone's listening, I meant more of the safeties there. Um, yeah. And I'll be in East coast actually. So we'll, three of us will be synced up uh, real right. soon. Where, where are you going to be? What province or whatever Canada has over there? Yeah. So I'm right now I'm in Alberta. That's where my parents live. So I'm just okay. home for the summer and then I'm going back to Ottawa where I go to school. So I'll be in Eastern time. Perfect. And Joe's the odd, odd one out on that. Where Joe and I will be watching the first game uh, together. So if you follow along on uh, on our Twitters, we'll be able to be very reactionary there. Uh, P Wagon sixty here. Uh, if you two want to shout out your Twitters, I know Joe, you got a little bit of a weird one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a long story. But anyone who's for the most part, ninety percent of people who probably listen to this probably do follow me or, or maybe kind of know me. Long story. Don't even ask. All right, it's Boner. Goku, as in the character from Dragon Ball Z, which I don't even watch, by the way, just adds to more of the story. Uh, 420. And the O in, is it in Goku? Yeah, is a zero, not no. We'll, we'll put that up on our on Horseman Pod. That's yeah, yeah, um, go ahead. Horseman, Horseman H-O-R-S-E-M-A-M-E-N-P-O-D. Uh, you'll see all the links there for that. And Dylan, I know yours is kind of based off of the bub light, even though you're not old enough right. to it's a, it's a play on my name, too. So it's Dilly Dilly 97, the year I was born. Um, so I thought that was kind of clever. What, and when's your birthday, Dee? Uh, September 17th, so it's going to be coming up real soon. Well, we'll have to celebrate on the podcast then. 21st, uh, they can drink in your country. I mean, yeah. This is a, a multinational podcast now. We'll, uh, we'll definitely yeah. be bridging the gap there between Canada and the United States. And i say one thing, by the way. I didn't get to say it. You said we're going to be watching the game together uh, this weekend because I'm going to be in uh, Newport for Labor Day weekend, and you're going to be there too. Let me just say it makes me extremely nervous because – and I know you're kind of the same way, so I know some other people who are too with not just Notre Dame but anything. I am very – and it's not even a superstition. It's just a comfortability thing. I very much 95% of the time like to watch games only by myself in my apartment because I act like a crazy person. I stand the whole game, and I – I don't like watching with other people because they almost like don't understand if that makes sense, which, which only you guys can probably understand what I'm saying. So the whole, that is making me nervous. It really is about the game, which is flying out there and then being in a place I've never been with uh, people I've met like a couple times or like, you know, whatever that doesn't have too much to do with it, but it's just a whole like thing. Like some of the people I'm going to be with, like, we're already like, you know, screw Notre Dame or whatever. And that's why I like text you. And I'm like, man, we got to, I got to find just a couple hours to come watch this game with you and not be around people who aren't fans. It's just kind of not driving me crazy, but the whole thing's just freaking me out a little. I found out the Airbnb you're staying at. Yeah. There is no way in hell that I'm staying at that Airbnb with the people that are there. Even though I love them, they'll probably not listen to this part because it's way too far into the episode. But I said, all right, I'm, I found my buddy's house. He has a futon that me and Mrs. Wagner are going to crash on that night. We're going to a bar. I know I'm very comfortable. It's home field. It's an Irish bar. We're good. We're in a good place. I know, exactly. And that's why, like, I, when you said we had that nailed down, I was like, thank God, because all I could think about is, and the same thing, I love the people I'm going to be with, but I just need that. No matter who I was with, it could be anyone. It could be my entire family. I don't care whoever I'm with that night needs to understand that I need like three hours with someone who is just as big of a fan with me watching nothing but the game. And even then, even watching at a bar with you makes me nervous because I do not like watching around crowds. Again, I, 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 I will talk to you. We'll, we, we'll sit in silence for three hours. If uh, yeah, not yet. I, mean, I, watch, I mean, I legitimately do, and I live alone, so I legitimately do watch every single game just about in my apartment completely alone. Unless I'm at the game, which I am going to the, the Navy game in San Diego this year, which is towards the end of October. Yep. I'm going to uh, pinch, uh, Shamrock Series in uh, Syracuse. Yeah. Me and Steve will be there for that one. Yeah. So, anyway, I know I kind of rambled on there, but it really does. It really Especially does make me uncomfortable. Dylan, we, do, we don't say those words here. The, right, no, we, the L word does not come up in this conversation. But, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, the Miami game, I was breaking stuff, so – 
Yeah, the, the yeah, Miami game, I'm trying to remember. I, yeah, I think I was just here watching alone, and I just couldn't, like, I couldn't believe what was unfolding in front of me. I'm no longer allowed to watch games alone after Virginia Tech, and this will be the last story uh, before uh, we wrap up for the night. Uh, I had a panic attack after the game was over. I thought my heart was just starting to burst out of my chest. Um, it was the first time I ever had one of those after we blew the lead and lost the game at Virginia Tech a few years ago. So I now have to have either an animal or a person that can alert, or an animal that can alert the person or a person who can revive me if I do have one of these hand attacks. Uh, and so Notre Dame does cause actual health conditions for Hey, coach, I, uh, I, I don't even drink during the games. I sit there and I'm dead sober. <laughs> that's, a, that's another thing we talked about. Me, ne- me neither. Not, I'm not a huge drinker anyway, but I do like to drink a bit. And that's something that people do during uh, NFL games or even their college team teams. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I'm, I need to have kind of a clear mind because I like to watch, like, certain guys. It sounds nerdy, but it, it, you know, but it is what it is. I like to – be able to watch certain guys and break down what they're doing. And if I'm drunk, I can't really like do that. Like I just like a sober mind and even uh, after games, I'll drink, you know, if they win or even if they lose, usually that's both I drink. So <laughs> well, uh, we'll be sure there's ample pictures of water at the bar we're at, but uh, yeah. you know, other than that for me, I'm, I'm really ready to go. I'm excited for this podcast too, that we got this off the ground and running and uh, next week, all four of us will be on together. Uh, that's all my parting words. Uh, Dylan, Joe, you got anything? Last words? Go Irish, beat Michigan. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something clever, but I'm really not that funny, you know. Mm-hmm. Even on my Twitter, I said the other day I've lost, I've lost my fastball. So, well, I, I can work on it. Yeah, <laughs> I have something funny. When uh, when I was younger, my uncle went to a Notre Dame Michigan game, and he got this T-shirt for me, and it says Rudy would have started at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I wear that all Michigan week, every day. <laughs> and uh, on that note, I think that's a great way to end it. Rudy would have started at Michigan. Uh, uh, be sure to follow us for Horseman Pod, Horseman Pod on Twitter, and uh, catch you next week. Go Irish. All right, cool. We are all set up. We are a few glitches here. It's the first game of the season. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I just I hear everyone do it, so I thought it'd be good. All right, and we are back with Steve, the fourth member of the Four Horsemen. And uh, Steve, I understand you are a tragically long-time suffering Notre Dame fan from your Twitter bio. It's been a very, very long time. <laughs> it has been. 2012 was probably the worst year of my life. Uh, yeah, so uh, I actually – I mean – I haven't missed a game since legitimately like 2006. I've basically seen every single game. <clears throat> 2012 comes around. I'm actually, um, I was up in the mountains, uh, up in like Vermont at my friend's house. And uh, I think it took maybe six minutes into the game for just my soul to just leave my body. And that was it. I mean, I'll just never be the same. That and the Steelers too, correct? Yep, I'm a big Steelers fan. Um, weird coming from New England. The reason being, my uncle played for him in the '70s. Not not a big deal. Yeah, hum- humble bread there. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we'll uh, get some ND players there coming up. But uh, really, it really echoes mine too. I've been, you know, I've told everyone else, but I've been around since I want to say 2004 when I really started getting into football. Mm-hmm. It's been a rough ride. I remember my first game was the Notre Dame Navy game. Brady Quinn's first. Uh, playing time with Tyrone Willingham, and then it was all downhill from there. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a quick history of my fandom in general, and I, I want to know kind of yours too specifically. Um, so when I was maybe 10 or 11, I just got some hand-me-down clothes from a close family friend. They had a, you know, a, a guy in their family who was a few years older than me, and the hand-me-down clothes, I pick up the box. There's a number three Notre Dame jersey. Yeah, obviously, like, you know, the, you know, Montana, the great, right? So, uh, I, you know, I just, I used to wear that for playing backyard football, um, you know, around the, uh, the neighborhood with all the other kids, you know, all my friends hanging out and, and tossing the rock around. And that was right around when like NCAA football franchise started to come out. Rest in peace. Then, 
Yeah, RIP and P. I actually still legitimately play that to this day. You, you and me both. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I and I would. That's when I started playing the game, uh, getting more and more into college football. Uh, I you know liked Tyrone Willingham as a coach uh, for as much as you could like a coach when you're 11 years old and don't understand the game. And then you know he leaves. The Weiss years come, uh, and then. 2006 uh, is when I actually came to the realization that holy crap, Notre Dame actually plays every Saturday, like on national television. Like I can actually watch them. So from there, I mean, it just it started with a jersey, then to a video game, then to actually learning that uh, yes, the most storied program in history does in fact have their own uh, you know deal with NBC, and I haven't missed a game since, to my dismay. Mine, uh, I'm pretty similar with that. Uh, I started 2004, started playing a little bit of football, realized that baseball wasn't the sport for me. I remember some games in the 90s vaguely that my grandpa made me watch with him. I really came from my grandpa, everything. He's he's Italian-American, uh, much like you, but uh, yeah. he really jumped into the Irish Catholicism of uh, Notre Dame, and that was the goal for not only me, but my whole family. That was the school. Uh, I didn't get in, went to another uh, Irish Catholic school on the East Coast. But at the same time, it was always Notre Dame, no matter what. And really, it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint that exact year, but I remember 2004 very vividly. Yeah. It's out of my mind. But uh, same thing, you know, playing football, Notre Dame was my my team. I can name Chris Zorick as my first idol uh, back then, Jerome Bettis and everyone else was looking at, you know, the NFL players at that time. But uh, I am who I am. <laughs> really, uh, yeah. been a, it's been a rough time, and I'm just really excited for this year. I think I've read some articles today, and things are shaping up, hopefully, to be better than uh, last Yeah, year. I mean, we're fit, we're going – we're right on the path. Right. <laughs> it's it's late Octo- uh, October. It's late August, beginning of September. So, naturally, we are at an all-time high. The world is great. There's promise, there's hope, and then, uh, you know, give it like six weeks. <laughs> it's yeah. all crumbling, crumbling down eventually. <laughs> Unfortunately, but uh, what's your prediction for 2018? Uh, let's see. I'm just going to hop through it if you hear me clicking or tapping. Just looking now at the uh, the schedule, obviously, we got Michigan at home, Ball State at home, uh, Vanderbilt at home, on the road, at Wake Forest, which actually I think it has the makings of a trap game. Yep. Um, then we got at home against Stanford, which we actually do pretty well at home against them. Uh, on the road, it's an atrocity. On the road at Virginia Tech, at home against Pitt, at home against Navy, but I think that's a – That's in San Diego. Yeah, that's, I figured that was going to be a third-party site. Um, and then we, at Northwestern, at home against Florida State, uh, at home, quote unquote, against Syracuse. That's going to be at Yankee Stadium. I'm actually going to that game. Aren't I you? just got my tickets. You, you can, uh, you can meet uh, Grandpa Wagon going to that awesome. one. All right, it's going to be a hopefully a good one. We'll and see. then we finish, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, you know, in the Coliseum against uh, obviously USC to end the season, uh, what the regular season that is. Let's hope that there's a postseason. <laughs> um, I mean, look, looking through that now, you know, of the Let's see, one, two, three, four, five ranked teams we play. Um, you know, Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and USC. I honestly, the only two games that I think that we can't just flat out win by like a touchdown would be Michigan or uh, and Stanford. Um, Virginia Tech on the road, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, it's obviously a crazy atmosphere there. Um, you know, enter Sandman, the whole nine, you know, with, with the hoax. Um, but it, it's, the program hasn't been the same uh, since, you know, since their old ball, ball coach uh, retired. So it's a, they're transitioning right now. So, I mean, it's still Virginia Tech. I, I imagine that's going to be a night game in October. So it's going to be yeah, uh, It's going to be uh, – that's the game I almost had a heart attack on. A couple yeah. Of ago. So I, I, I still think we could pull that away. I'm not afraid of USC with JT Daniels. Um, I mean, maybe he progresses throughout the, the season and who knows. But, I mean, as of right now, there, there's no reason we can't beat uh, SC – same with Florida State, they're transitioning right now, and they you know, obviously they have like twenty fucking freaking. Uh, we can win this podcast. Uh, 
I think they have like 20. We're gonna swear over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they have like 20 suspensions, I'm sure, because yeah. you know, it's four sex university, so screw them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, it stinks to really get the uh, the, the hopes up, but um, I'm seeing 10 and 2 as the bare bones minimum of what this team can do. Uh, you know, returning 10 defensive starters, honestly. It, 11 and 1, 12 and 0 is the goal, though. Uh, I think 11 wins gets us into the uh, into the final four. Um, you know, that's that's my thoughts. What, uh, you know, what what do you think? I'm along the same boat. Cautiously optimistic. 10 and 2 would be the worst I can see this team doing. Uh, obviously, you know, the quarterback. Um, well, well, I don't know. I I could definitely see them doing worse than ten and two. Like Northwestern coming onto our soil a, like a couple of years ago and beating us. I could see us going to Northwestern and dropping an egg there. So I mean that that is. Uh, but you know, in my mind right now, if you're saying at nine fifty two on August twenty sixth, I'm saying ten and two is the worst we'll do. Uh, really, I do think college uh, football playoff is in the cards. I wouldn't say a two or three. Definitely a four seed there. Uh, unfortunately, because of the likes of Clemson and um, Alabama, who is Alabama? Yeah, winner of Bama, Georgia, obviously is in. And I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really think the two quarterback system could actually work this year, uh, with our running quarterback in Wimbush and Ian Book being able to throw the ball all around the yard, and then our Lord and Savior Phil Jerkovic bringing up the rear. Hail. And uh, just moving into what really what we're excited to watch. I know Jerkovic is big on your book. Uh, Jafar Armstrong also being huge for us, and Lloyd Gilman. We talked about that before. Brandon mm-hmm. uh, made some noise right off of uh, being not being able to play last year, coming from Navy. Uh, what's the mo- who's the most excited that you're looking forward to watching, and who's really the player that you're targeting right now? I mean, we had a great haul uh, this year. Uh, I think there's some some impact players that are, are really going to step in on the freshman uh, side. Obviously, we get you know with the the new rule in the NCAA, um, you know, freshman or players in general can and uh, with redshirt eligibility can still redshirt, but also play four games. Okay. So it's going to be interesting. You know, maybe we're blowing out Ball State in week two. You know, fingers crossed, Jesus. Um, you know, maybe, hopefully it's like fifty six to nothing by halftime. And then, you know, I want to see obviously book get some time, uh, but you know, that's, that's, you know, perfect big fill time. Uh, I want to see him, you know, step up to the next level. You know, he played in the army all American bowl, didn't look spectacular, but that's totally different. You, you practice with a team for a week and a half. It's, you know, it's, it's a dumbed down playbook and you know, it's, it's much easier for the defenses because it's, it's pretty simple play calling and, you know, the defense said the advantage in that game, but, um, I'm obviously high on Big Phil, but I, I, I honestly don't think we're going to have too, too much uh, freshman contribution this year. I think we're going to get a level of it, but if we're talking, uh, obviously, you know, the, the players to watch, um, you know, it, it, for me, I'll just do one on offense, one on defense. Uh, offense, I want to see Alizé Mack. I want to see him step it up. Uh, there was just an article on, on 247 Sports the other day where, uh, you know, his coaches were telling him, you don't get a second team year, this is it. And he's right on the bubble of being an NFL caliber guy. I mean, I, he obviously, you and I know that, you know, number one tight end in his class, five-star recruit, um, if he can just figure it out, stay on the field, stay healthy, and if Wimbush could actually throw the ball – you know, he, he has an 800, 900-yard season ahead of him with, like, you know, approaching 10 touchdowns. He's a 6'5 monster. Um, so I really want – you know, we, we are tight end university. I really want to see Alizé uh, step into his role and, and become a, a leader. You know, I've read recently he's showing up to every practice an hour early, whereas in the past, you know, he was uh, a little bit lackadaisical with that type of stuff. Very excited for that on offense. And then on defense, uh, I you know, I – I love Drew Tranquil. He's probably one of my favorite player on the on the team. Um, but who I'm most excited to see, just who already broke out of their shell last year, but this year I think we're going to see something truly special. Is just Tavon Coney. Guy's an absolute animal. Um, you know, it, it, we we've just been on a good run of getting linebackers. You know, with the the last two halls and the last two uh, you know classes. You know, last year's freshman class and this year's that we're working on currently. We're going to have uh, some, some great linebackers coming in, and I think um, I think Tavon Coney is, is kind of setting the pace of, of what the, we can expect from all those guys. He is 
just something special. Um, you know, totally game-changing speed, and he can really lay the lumber on somebody when he gets them. And, you know, moving forward with our new defensive coordinator, having the kids who have been there before really does help in that regard. You're, you're seeing the senior leadership step up from what I've been reading. Uh, kind of on an alternate note, Kelly has been doing uh, wreaking chaos throughout mm-hmm. the practices, as our friend Catherine uh, let us all know about. She, uh, he made her, the first snap of the preseason uh, spring ball was with a soccer ball. So that was interesting. And he's been, he's been taking kids off the field, players off the field, playing with 10 men, nine men, uh, just so they could adapt. And Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil, they've all stepped up. Even Tillery uh, coming off the, uh, the stopping from a couple of years ago, even yeah. stepped up to become that senior leader that they were looking for, which is really promising uh, mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you have in mind? Uh, you know, excited about any freshman contributors potentially? And, and what's Carter your Armstrong used to follow me on Twitter, so I really got uh, big on him. Uh, Huddle, I <laughs> uh, was really big watching him. All the uh, his highlights. I like him a lot because he has a dual running back wide receiver uh, kind of tandem that you're looking like at. Riddick. Yeah, very Riddick like. Um, again, Gilman. He's not a freshman. But he's coming from Navy. He was a lead, I believe he was a leading tackler on the Navy defense, yeah, uh, which is pretty impressive because they played the triple option. Uh, he's coming down from that safety position, so I could see him making an impact right there. And then, of course, my favorite, uh, Chris Fink. I won't uh, fair catch Fink. And uh, I, I just like him. I hope he doesn't not fair catch. I really need him to learn the value of field position. Uh, because he's he's stopped my heart a few times in the past, and then you know we always had Ian Book right in the back, right waiting to be that Brady Quinn type character. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I I definitely like Book. He's got a lot of grit. Um, the only thing I don't want because this is seemingly Winbush's last season, uh, right? Does he have any older? I think he has one more year. He has one more year. Yeah, but this whole, you know might be his last season. Um, I'd obviously like Jerkovic. Dracovic, however you say it. I don't even know. Um, I'd like him to obviously redshirt this year. He had to get his four games, get some practice in, and then come in next year and just start slinging the rock around the, uh, the yard because uh, I, I've seen that Lawrence Keys, um, keep an eye out for him. Uh, he has like that Antonio Brown frame. He's, he's about 5'10", 180. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to be like one of those quick guys. I think that you know, as a true freshman, he might contribute. Uh, and then I, I'm really excited to see his career shake out for the next – next four years so a lot of promise a lot of upside obviously you know it's Notre Dame we always have a ton of talent it's can we put it all together um and I think Brian Kelly is a really good coach uh I I, but I think it's going to take great coaching to get us you know into the playoff and is he is he capable of great coaching uh yet to be seen totally agree with that and uh, I'm gonna let you go I know you got your early wake-up call our friends on the West Coast don't have to worry about that too much, but uh, Ben Stillen. And uh, what's your prediction? What are we looking at this week? Hopefully this podcast will be up and running by Saturday. Who knows? Yeah. On me to figure out, but absolutely. Uh, I don't like to dabble in Notre Dame predictions because it's, it's too emotional for me and too close to the cuff. But if I were to just have a gun to my head, I'm going to say 34-17 Notre Dame. Love it. All right, Steve. Look forward to getting all of us together next week. Hopefully Dylan doesn't have any more vacations going up in Canada. 